0: Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Shmini Sheni, the second Aliyah in Parshas Shmini. This is a short Aliyah of seven Pesukim, running from Perak Tes Yud Zayin to Chaf Gimel. Uh, at this point in time, we've now heard about the sacrifices that the nation of Israel and Aaron have brought as part of the inauguration, the final day of inauguration. We now hear about the um, the close call. What's the close call? So they start finishing up the carbonus, the they bring the meal offerings um, that Aaron is supposed to bring, they check the shore and the aisle, the ox and the ram as the Zeva HaShlamim which is the peace offering of the people and uh, they bring the blood to the, the, the Mizbech and bring it on all sides they, they, uh, and we hear about all the different parts of the animals which are burnt on the Mizbech um, as, as part of this and the parts that go to Aaron as a tnufah um, as a, wa- a waving, there because the parts that are owed to the economy as well. And finally, the very culmination of this, Aliyah is the most magical moment. by Aaron lifts up his hands to the people and he blesses them. After bringing all of this, so he just uses his hands to bring these sacrifices. He uses those hands and he blesses the people. What a remarkable moment. And finally, They enter into the tent of meeting. Then they come out again. So, I and mean, they bless the people. And the honor of God, the glory of God, appears to the people. What a remarkable moment. What bracha is it that Aaron is actually giving the people? Rashi explains, this is Birkas Kohanim. This is the first Birkas Kohanim, literally, of the Kohen Gadol at the time of the setting up of the base of Midash. When Hashem's prayer, uh, Shekhinah comes down, this is what is happening. This is the first bracha of Birkas Kohanim, which is being said over here, as the Gomorrah Saita denotes. However, it's, what the one curious question, which one we need to think about, and that is, is that he gives the bracha to the people, then he and Moshe go inside, and then they, him and Moshe go outside, and then then they, they say the bracha and then the... the, and the the shkina comes down. So, like, what, what's going on? Why can't the shkina just come down? Why they're going in? Why they're going out? Rashi addresses this and gives a couple explanations as to why this could be. So, uh, the the first one is is um is that Moshe Rabbeinu needed to teach him maase hakatores. Um, so that means to say um that the the idea over here is is that the katoris, the burnt incense, which is in the inside the golden Mizbah, needed to be taught to Aaron and. Um, and this is what Moshe Rabbeinu needed to take him inside for to teach him for at this point in time. That's the interruption over here. Um, perhaps, uh, the, the, I, and, and, this, and and Rashi learns from him to tell us how, how this is evident that this is this is the the lesson that is to be taught. However, the second explanation of Rashi is is quite haunting. And then he says that Aaron saw that he did all the karbanos as by the letter of the law everything he should have been doing he did. And all the actions, but the Shekhinah did not come down. You can imagine this this moment. I mean, he did everything. Everything's in place. The system set up. The circuitry is connected, and nothing's happening. Vayomitzaya, Rashi says he was concerned. yodeya ani hakadosh baruch hu lo It's the anger of God upon me, and that's why the divine presence has not descended upon Israel. He turns to his brother Moshe and he says, Moshe, Moshe. After all of this you 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 brought me out here to embarrass me and Aaron felt that terrible this had all happened. He comes in with Aaron to go into the inner sanctum to the, the Kodesh, to pray with him to Hashem and that's when the divine presence comes down, that's when the Shina Arrives here, so it's a very powerful description over here. Note, by the way, that according to Rashi, this was that that this already was describing what had happened um, at the end of Pasha's Pekudei. This is this is when the Shekhinah came down. Whereas according to the Ramban, the Shekhinah had already come down the first time in Pekudei, and now we're uh, talking about the Korbanos. So now there was the Miluim, and now was the 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 inauguration ceremony. But here's a very important lesson to be learned over here, and that is Rav Yerucham Rav commentary on the Torah. Um, Das Toro points out a very beautiful observation: that is, that when we come across failings enough, when we come across difficult situations enough, where things where things don't work out, the natural tendency of every human being is to look around and to blame others. And Aaron had every right to do this. After all, yes, he'd be involved in the Cheta Egel, but you know what? In the end of the day, Aaron played a very minor role, if you think about it. The people are just stoned khur. The people were really bad at this point in time. They were, they were going to kill him if he said anything else, and he tried to slow things down, and he succeeded in doing this. He had every right to blame other folks, and it really wasn't about him at all. Nonetheless, says Rav Yerucham Levav, it's a very beautiful insight, and he says, um, the the idea is is. Aaron was able to look inside when things went wrong, even though he didn't bear all the guilt that he certainly bore a portion of it. And he was willing to take responsibility for that. That is the hallmark, and perhaps that's the reason why the Schrinner came down, was because Aaron was that kind of leader. You know, there was a research which was done, Charles Bosk did a research in the Penn Medical Center on neurosurgeons. And he took a the, the sampling of the top 1% of all neurosurgeons and the, top, and the lowest 1% of de- neurosurgeons. And he wanted to figure out what was that, made, that determined, what was the determining factor for success or perhaps lack thereof. And he found that there was no correlation between SAT scores, MCATs, medical undergraduate schools or residencies to whether a person ended up at the top or the bottom of the neurosurgeon list. Um, he says the, the f- one factor which differentiated them was how they dealt with mistakes. Those in the bottom 1% when the mistake happened, which is unfortunately in this field usually a fatal issue, um, they would blame the lighting, the facility, the nurses, the house staff, whereas the top 1% when they made mistakes, because everybody does make a mistake, they would lock themselves up for days studying the mistake and calling up the world's experts to find out what went wrong, they use their mistakes to improve. And this was the difference between the way they looked at, uh, at their mistakes, and this actually differentiated the top and the lowest of the neurosurgeons. Ralph Woodner once was uh, asked a letter from a student. He said, The student says that he has such high aspirations in life, but when he looks at the, re- the reality of his life, his reality in life does not reflect the difficulty um, uh, in the, uh, the aspirations. His life is too difficult to to yeah, uh, bring about his aspirations. And Rav said to him, "Is the problem is that you're looking at the end product? You look at the Chavitz Chaim and you see this sage, this person who was really, you know." Able to to change the world, to be, be a Torah scholar, it's a tzaddik. You're looking at the finished product. It's too late. What you need to do, what you need to be able to do, is look at the chavetz chaim in the process. How many times did the chavetz chaim fail? How many times did he have to grow? How many times was it was it so difficult for him to 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 try and to channel and to to withhold and to regulate? That's the real moment of growth. It says, it says He quotes a apostle in Mishnah which says that seven times a, a righteous person will, will fall and get up. What many people assume is that that means to say that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar, even though they fall, despite that they keep getting up. They have a lot of resilience. They can keep getting up. Rav Huttner points out that no, that's in fact the... And it's the way it needs to be for a person to become a tzaddik, he needs to fall seven times to get up because those seven times will make him stand up seven times, which, need, which are the necessary prerequisites. There was a story about Thomas Watson, who was, a, who was a CEO of IBM, and one of his employees, one of his executives, made a terrible mistake, which cost the company $12 million. That's a, that's a lot of money, certainly in those days and even now. Um, and uh, they, the play, employee was asked to come to the office of the CEO. And he knew this is, this is it, you know, sort of going to come out with his crate in hand. And, um, and so he sort of mentally prepared himself for this moment. And Mr. Watson looked, look, looked at him surprised. He says, well, I, I would fire you. Why would I just fire you when I just spent $12 million educating you? That's a very powerful observation. What Rav Yerucham Levavitz was saying in this Aliyah and trying to understand this over here is that Aaron was the person willing to look at himself in the mirror and to look at the mistakes that had happened and own his part of it even though he was not the full shareholder in all the mistakes that were made. And that's what distinguished Aaron as a leader and that's what ultimately enabled him to be the one to bring down the Shechina alongside with Moshe. very powerful lesson to be learned for our own lives. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.